everybody. It's the Clarification Podcast. I'm your host, James Clary, along with my pal. Get your headphones on. (laughs) Headphone aficionado, Russell West. What's going on, Russ? Hey, not too much. Doing all right. Dogs, yeah. Bones, dogs. Bones, dogs. Yeah, that's right. I'm good. Another uh, little snowy day. In the I know that kind of came right? out of nowhere. I had to sneak home early. Did you? you? Know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in Kansas City, and thankfully it didn't do much. They were off. Well, this up time. north, I mean, I, I, well, I don't north know. Kansas City, we got about three have. inches yesterday, and then it was like uh, another four today. Really? I, like, I think I'll just go home a day. Early. God, three <laughs> hours, man. Yeah. You know that's something we gotta look into. Have you ever noticed the weather patterns follow these quarters, like I forty four? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. anything, you know, I-44 is well, a major highway. A lot of times it'll split around the plateau, like the Ozark Plateau. Well, the Springfield Plateau, you're right, mm-hmm. right. But I-44 but it is always this does. east-west corridor. Anything yeah. north tends to get hit with heavy stuff. South, not so much. Well, I, my girlfriend lives in uh, Chicago, and it's almost always the identical weather of Kansas City, which I found kind of odd. Right, and now Within we're hours in Chicago's Chicago. five hours from Kansas City, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We're only three hours from Kansas City, yet totally our weather's completely different. Totally and different. here's what's bizarre if you think about that. This is one of those ancient mysteries. <laughs> All of these major highways were first started as a dirt road. They actually first started as a game trail. Then ancient hunters used the trails that evolved, and then it became a wagon trail, mm-hmm. then a dirt road, then a gravel road, and now it's a major you know, eight-lane interstate. Mm-hmm. Why do these highways tend to follow certain patterns? Like where there's, a, I mean, there's an obvious weather shift on e- the north and south sides of this highway. It's obvious, every forecast. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean... E- 44 too isn't a it's typical like, interstate because no. it goes diagonal. Right. You know, most right. interstates exactly. go north. It east cuts west Caddy or, Corner yeah. through Missouri. Mm-hmm. It runs generally east-west, Name but it one runs... one storm that we've seen that goes straight east to, east to west. I know. I don't think I've ever seen I, one, to be honest It's weird. There's something... You know, there's a lot of... Uh, there's been a lot of research about ley lines, where which are magnetic lines within the earth and you know animals are able to sense magnetic anomalies so people right, think right, that these right. trails With the storms were, you know your dog freaks out when it yeah, storms yeah i just crazy we'll, we'll get into that someday <laughs> Sorry, but today that's a good start yeah so today we're going to talk about <clears throat> the science delusion which is a, actually the title of a book from one of uh, the people i have the utmost respect for a guy named uh, Rupert Sheldrake. We're not just going to talk about Sheldrake's book. We're going to talk about some archaeology, some ancient archaeology, forbidden archaeology. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Sheldrake, oh, probably eight, nine years ago. He could only give me 30 minutes of his time. He's a very busy man. Wow. But I was very thankful. He get, and I believe me, I buttered him up with all kinds of <laughs> glowing. Sure he did. <laughs> but I was able to interview him and you know he has come out with some amazing discoveries and we've talked about some of them before some of his experiments the dog that knows when their owner's coming home yeah 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 the birds the the, the flocking the yeah that birds when they seem to turn as one same thing with schools of fish mm-hmm. and we talked about I think a couple shows ago that the the old scientific materialistic paradigm is that these animals are tracking the animal next to them with their eyes, and that's how they know when to turn. But now with the advent of super high-tech digital slow-motion photography, 
we know it's not true. These birds do not look out of the side of their eye. So how do they know to turn? Well, Sheldrake has coined a term morphic fields or morphic resonance. And, and he believes that everything vibrates with morphic resonance and that animals and conscious beings and even un, so-called unconscious uh, plants, whatever, have this uh, morphic uh, memory, if you will. For instance, I find this amazing. Lat rats that are trained to run a specific maze in a laboratory to get food, their offspring will know how to run the maze without being taught. Wow. Some might, you know, that type of stuff is usually chalked up to evolution, but that's too quick. That well, exactly. Well, yeah, evolution, and that's we're going to get into that kind of stuff. What, what we're doing today's show and what we will continue to do is to challenge the mainstream paradigm that the world is mechanistic, it's materialistic, that it's like a machine and that we're on this spinning rock hurtling through the universe at whatever it is, 300,000 miles a second, and that man is nothing more than the product of this evolutionary process that took place over millions of years, mm-hmm. and that consciousness is simply a product of evolution. And so this is an, I mean, this is an age-old question in, in consciousness, and we'll spend more than one show talking about sure. consciousness and how it relates to science and to belief. But Sheldrake has challenged the basic assumptions of science. And I want to give you a couple quotes where we really get into this. So uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, who was a philosopher, said this, all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted as being self-evident. Wow. And it's kind of true. I mean, if you um, think yeah, of like Galileo. I was going to say, yeah, the, the, or Copernicus or yeah. any of that stuff. Like it was. Some of them, you know, I don't remember which one. You could be one of those guys was burned at the stake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, burned at the stake. Yeah, I yeah. think it was Copernicus. Or at least he was in jail for a long time. It could I, be. I know that Galileo hid his findings from the church. Right. For a long time. Yeah. Because this, this, these ideas that. You know, it was called uh, <clears throat> geocentric thought. The church was that the earth is at the center of everything. It was the center of creation. Uh, the heliocentrics, heliocentric being the sun is the mm, center. Yes, yes, yes. Heliocentrism was considered a major sin by the church, worthy of execution. So mm. if you propose those ideas in the dark ages, you're going to get burned at the stake. So Galileo... I think he was under house arrest for years, but he hid a lot of his ideas from the church until after he died. I remember one famous thing, supposedly he asked these priests, you know, they're saying, you have no proof for this. And he just said, look in my telescope. Wow. Um, (laughs) Thomas Kuhn uh, is another, he's a philosopher, scientific writer, and he said, in absence of a paradigm... All the facts would be equally relevant. 
with a paradigm, certain facts that conform to it rise above the others. So a paradigm is a set of beliefs. So we we're talking today and we explained a lot with the mainstream current scientific paradigm or I like to call it dogma is because dogma is more of a rigid set of beliefs that you hold in spite of evidence to the contrary. So Kuhn is making the point that if there's a paradigm evidence isn't considered equally. If there's no paradigm, any piece of individual evidence is going to be considered as equal to any other. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But if there's a paradigm, you're going to choose the evidence that support your beliefs and you're going to disca- discard the other one. So we're going to talk about... Sounds relevant. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we spent some time talking about COVID and... Oh, you're Ukraine. I mean, any Or stuff. Ukraine that we have spent hours talking mm-hmm. about. So it can apply to a lot of things. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all about belief systems and, and facts and evidence and propaganda. And it's all the stuff we talk about in psyops and, sure. you know, fake news, as our pal Trump likes to say, you're fake news. But <laughs> so let me give you a little uh, example of, um, oh, I hope I think I just closed it probably. Tell me. Anyway, the allegory of the cave. Now, Plato, the, one of the fathers of modern philosophy, did a writing, and it's called The Allegory of the Cave. And I think it's a really good example about belief. So the idea is that there's a group of prisoners chained in a cave. And between them and the outside, there's a fire. So anyone walking on the outside of the cave, they can't see the actual people who are walking or the objects. All they see is the shadow reflected on the wall. Mm-hmm. So let's say somebody walks by carrying a bundle of sticks. They see this weird shadow with these things sticking out, and they think, my God, there's monsters out there. You know, because they, all they have is their subjective experience of seeing the shadows. Let's say that a prisoner is set free. Well, the prisoner set free, he goes outside and he sees all of a sudden that all of these shadow creatures were not real. It's imaginary. He sees the real world for what it is. And he's just, I mean, he's bursting with excitement to run back and tell the other prisoners, and it's so disturbing to them. They think he's crazy, and he's never and and he's never accepted for what he tells them. So, the allegory is about the imprisonment that we have in our set of beliefs. That we're told that the Earth is like this. That evolution is it's not just a theory but it we know that man evolved from apes approximately a million and a half years ago and that consciousness arose out of the quagmire of uh, the dna and this slow process of evolution so the imaginary world plato was saying is is actually is the people in the cave and the real world is that 
there is much more to this world than we can see right. with our eyes. And, and many people have made the uh, example of, um, you know, when you look at a, a perceptional, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm struggling with my words right now. When, when your mind is tricked in the way you see something. An illusion? Yeah. Um, uh, it's a... Subliminal... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just trying to... There's a million words for it. We're losing like. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's uh, when, when you're made to see in a picture, you see it a certain way, and you realize that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an optical illusion is what it is. It's a trick of perception. And remember that sight, for instance, sight is only light that is reflected into our eyes. The image is turned upside down and then our brain applies colors to it. There's a difference between what we perceive as reality versus what is actual reality. And Sheldrake in Science Delusion talks about uh, the 10 the 10 dogmas of mainstream science that we hold on to. The first being that, like I said, that consciousness arises out of uh, evolution. And a lot of modern-day philosophers make the point that consciousness is primary. There's a great... Um, video by a modern philosopher called the primary of consciousness that actually and we we know from quantum physics that the real world when we get down to it on a quantum level does not behave anything like our perceptions say it does you know in materialistic science the world is a hard, this table is made up of atoms and it's a hard object. But when we get down into the quantum world, we know that this table is actually 99% space, right? That yeah. within an atom, it is 99.9% .9 space. And the nucleus is here. I think so. I saw someone, uh, the analogy they brought about that if you were to take an, out, an atom, put the nucleus as a size of a piece of rice, the rest of the atom would be the size of a football field. Mm. <laughs> so, wild. yeah, so the table in itself is, is, is kind of an illusion and that I was trying to find this. The, uh, I actually didn't really, uh, close the file I had for Sheldrake and the 10 dogmas. The speed of light is one of the ones that we're told the speed of light. Einstein said it is... It is rote. It cannot be changed. It is the, the number one rule in modern physics that the speed of light, everything else is determined by it. Yet quantum entanglement tells us that the speed of light is, can be broken because entanglement shows that when one quantum particle is manipulated, its entangled partner is changed instantaneously, even if it's at the other side of the universe. Now, the problem with this is, is that our measurements all use things like 
you know, lasers that move at the speed of light. Right. So we don't <laughs> really yeah. know yeah, that it's instantaneously <laughs> yeah. changed. Because even the speed of light isn't instantaneous. It's still slow compared exa- to instantaneous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the common, let's talk about this. There's a really interesting discovery that I made a few years ago about an archaeological discovery in Mexico that was made back in the 60s. So the commonly held view in archaeology is that people arrived in North America from Asia approximately 13 to 16,000 years ago via the Bering Street uh, the Bering Strait Ice Bridge. We've all heard this. This was yeah. pounded into us at school, right? That during the last ice age, the uh, up in the Bering Sea, there was actually a land bridge because it was frozen over. So people came from Asia. They had migrated from Africa originally. We're told that the origin of man is Africa, right? A million and a half years ago, according to Lewis Leakey and Lucene, we talked about that, right? right. The ancient yep. origins, everything's from Africa, which get we can get into that a little bit more. But some of the recent findings suggest that may not be true. But anyway, they migrated north through Asia. Then through Asia, they came across the land bridge. And this is what we've been told for the last 75 years, that man in North America is thirteen to 16,000 years old. Now, in 60, I believe it was in, well, it was 1959, there was an amateur archaeologist named Camacho, Juan Camacho, and he had been working in a town called Puebla, which is 70 miles south of Mexico City. In this area that he was working in, Huaylatco, was known to have tons of fossils. So it was a great area to work. They had mastodons, and, and I think I mentioned to you there were ancient camels in North America and yeah, South America. That, yeah. And all kinds of really odd creatures, so it was great. He was working in this area, and he found a mastodon bone. I think you have a picture of it, don't you? Put that baby up there. Yeah, that's kind of it, because, I mean, it's it's hard to tell, but... Well, you see those drawings on there? Yeah, you can kind of tell that that's some kind of... I mean, it's clearly not... It's clearly man-made. Right. Now, they've done testing on this bone. They did testing on this bone, and they found out that it was green bone. And what that means is that when the drawing was done, the bone was from a fresh kill. It wasn't done after, right? And now this is a fossil. It isn't actually a piece of bone. It's so old that it's mineralized and turned into stone. It's a fossil. So... They, like I said, they did test. They found it was done on green bone. Now, why is this find important? Because mastodons were supposed to have been extinct for 20,000 years. Right. So if man... Well, has certainly not down in Mexico either. I mean, that's pretty far south for... Exactly. Uh, right. For if they came across the, the land bridge, was way north. We're talking Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so... That's saying, wait a minute, not only was man here 20,000 years ago, he was that far south. That's a really good point. Well, even just even just a, a mastodon is a woolly mammoth. Like, it's meant for cold weather. Why would there be a, a bone in Mexico so close to the equator if... I well, mean, you got to remember, though, if it was, you know, if it was 20,000 years ago, we're in the middle of an ice age. Sure, but so that's it, even pretty... I mean, I don't... As far as the ice going... It didn't go south. that far, but the temperatures would have been a lot colder, is my point. They could have. That's as far because, as south like, as where we live gone. right now, 
the ice apparently covered this completely. There was a mile of ice over the Ozarks back wow. then. Yeah. So I don't. Ice. So I think <laughs> I think a lot of people had to live further south. Mm-hmm. You know, so now Mexico's known for much higher temperatures. So anyway, so he finds his bone, and it immediately he knew that he had discovered something because at the time now things have changed somewhat in archaeology. You know, the Clovis people, we talked a little bit about this in the Clovis points. The Clovis people were supposedly the earliest inhabitants of North America. And we found all these different tools and uh, double-sided bifacial uh, spear points that were supposedly Clovis. And they came, like they said, 11 to 13,000 years ago. But with the mastodon bone, that pushes it back 6,000 years. If you think about it, that's a 50% increase. I mean, this is not yeah. 200 years. This is massive. This was a major scientific find. He knew it was so major that he knew that it was the oldest artifact ever found and that it would push the narrative on its head. So he kept it a secret. Instead, oh. he invited specialists to come down. He had mastropathy done. Like I said, it showed it was a green bone. And he invited someone named Marie Worthington and she was called down to inspect not just the bone, but the site. Um, she wrote a masterpiece called Ancient Man in, in uh, North America and was one of the premier archaeologists at this time in the 60s and 70s, was considered at the top of her field. So Worthington uh, went to Mexico, and she sent, and then she sent her protege, a woman named Cynthia Irwin Williams, who was able to obtain a permit from the Mexican government, the INHA, it's like the Instituto Nacional or something, Arqueología, I, I don't know right. how to, what the uh, archaeology is in Spanish. But um, Cynthia Irwin Williams got the permit and they begin to dig. And uh, let's see, the region, like I said, was described as a kill site where animals were hunted and butchered. And they soon begin to find numerous tools, including mortars, pestles, axes, um, bifacial spear points and arrow points. And the further they went down, they begin to the the area was perfectly stratified, which means that strata, different layers, and in, for archaeologists, that's perfect. And I think you have you got a picture of that. Pull that up. So, this is just a, an artist's representation of what the stratas looked like in Huayalatco, and you notice that that spear point. They're showing where that came from. Now, the Huayalatco ash is important. Because that ash is where an ancient volcano produced a level of ash. And they know when that happened through different dating techniques. So anything below that is going to be older. They also found out the lower they went, the more primitive the tools were. I mentioned bifacial, which just means sharpened edges on both sides. As they went lower, they found monofacial points, which Mm. was just one side. And... It's known that the bifacial was a more recent, more modern mm. discovery. Interesting. Yeah, so she uh, she was there for three years. 
she invited the preeminent geologist and paleontologist there. The site was once a stream, and like I said, it was uh, associated with Ice Age animals. They originally, in 1966, a geologist found this layer of soil. He found a shell that was not fossilized. The problem with fossils is you can't use carbon dating on them. Right. Because there's no carbon left. Right. They turn into rock. Right. You can't carbon date. Yeah. So carbon dating, in layman's terms, that's about all I understand it, is it it measures the rate of the uh, decay of carbon in Mm -hmm. once living materials. Right. So anything that was once living can be dated. Rocks and stones can't be dated. That's why they have so much trouble with these ancient megalithic sites. But, uh, but he found a shell that was in near the strata where they were finding these artifacts, and the shell was twenty-two thousand years old, six thousand years older than anything else had ever been found. As a matter of fact, it was parallel to the oldest thing that had ever been found in Europe. Just, but it hadn't fossilized? Like, right. So could it just have not fossilized somehow, maybe? What do you mean? Well, could it be in an environment where it just doesn't fossilize? Well, this particular, yeah, this particular shell, for whatever reason, didn't fossilize. And that, you're kind of getting at the what the heart of the controversy in this thing is, because mm-hmm. these geologists and archaeologists are making the claim that the strata was such you could tell the age. If you found a shell next to that spear point and you were able to carbon date the shell at 22,000 years, you know the spear point is that age. Right. The skeptics have claimed that, there, and there's a term for this, but there was, it, I think it's in, like something like interdispersement. They claimed that water, a rushing massive stream had eroded these areas out so newer materials fell that right Mm, okay so that's their that's their yeah the skeptics that claim that like so they found a spear point down in this level is 22,000 years old no actually that spear point was only 10,000 years old water eroded the soil and allowed it to fall down there okay does that make sense yeah definitely. now there's been I mean, we get so deep into this investigation, but that's pretty much been proved to be bunk. They have The geologists have been back and proved that the strata was right. There's no evidence, and I can get into the nerdy weeds. Well, wouldn't there have the to be a break somewhere? Like, yeah, you would be have, able to see it. It wouldn't be clear to find Exactly. And you see that strata. Like that. There's no evidence that... Now, there are areas in the site where there is some obvious erosion, but where they found most of these tools, there wasn't. So what's really where it gets to get really crazy, it's crazy enough that they aged the shell at 22,000 years old. McIntyre was, um, she, she was terrified to publish after that, the 22,000 year old thing. Because wow. she knew. It's it what we headed. started this talking about. It's a scientific paradigm. They ignore evidence that goes against the paradigm. The, the controversy really escalated 
when two new geologists were sent to the site, Barry Zabo and Virginia Steen McIntyre. And McIntyre is the one you'll see a lot in this story if you look up Wailatko. Um, they dated the strata at these lower levels at 250,000 years old. Wow. Now, they did it through some very... Uh, complex dating and like the uh, cutting edge dating techniques that had to do with uh, uranium uh, isotopes and and how wow. they decay and so is that is that controversial I suppose not at, no the dating accepts are these dating concepts they used are widely accepted oh, okay. as a state of the art dating. It wasn't they were using... Now, at the time, some of the techniques hadn't been used before, but they, they had used regular carbon dating and gotten these results. Okay. But they were trying They're to confirming. confirm it. Okay. So they used even more modern dating. Now, 250,000 years old, bro, if you're saying there was man in North America using tools, mm -hmm. this sets evolution on its head. This sets everything this sets on its head. world history on its head, for sure. World history. And it's why it's so important. And it's also why there's been this massive cover-up. So Virginia Steen McIntyre, the geologist, was excoriated. She was driven out of the field. She wasn't allowed to speak. The, this is how crazy this thing got, Russell. When this stuff leaked, and it's invariably it always leaks, when it leaked and the press got a hold of it, at first, it was like, wow, major find in Huaylatco in northern Mexico. Uh, I think it was Life Magazine did a piece on it. Immediately, mainstream academia and the scientific elite rushed in and squashed it. And they started, there are still people this day that say the finds at Huaylatco um, were bogus. You know, that mm -hmm. they... It was the erosion that caused all of this. In spite of the fact, the evidence is pretty... Uh, oh, the name of that was thor thorium-helium dating, by the way. Wow. It's based on an idea, similar ideas of uranium decay and alpha particles. And the, the this geologist that was sent to... He was sent blind. He had no idea what this sure. was from, Smart. where it came from. Yeah, and, and his dates... This last guy, a guy named Farley, his dates came to four hundred to five hundred thousand years old. So, and this type of dating is the gold standard, right? Oh wow! So it's considered the gold standard. So as they use more sophisticated methods, the dates became older because they were more exact. Now, when they were doing this, were they trying to prove that that was bunk science? They they were trying to disprove it. They didn't want to publish this. Right. So they were trying this to say scared that this the was fuck out this of them. was, you know, 10,000 years right. old or 5,000 years old or whatever. They wanted to find that out, but it the dates got if getting for older. For 50 years everybody in science accepted man was 16,000 years old in North America. Now you're telling me he's 400,000. <laughs> I mean, it's like saying we now know that everything in the Bible is true. You know, I mean, it's like saying that, I'm trying to think of a better analogy, that, that evolution is bullshit. You know, there's nothing to it. Or that the earth is flat and creation did start well, here. The two main theories 
be it a uh, creator or evolution, both don't really, you know, affect here. Like it, it's totally fucking everything up. All everything we've ever known or believed is now fucked up because of this. Yeah, totally. So <clears throat> McIntyre's papers were never published. She didn't want to publish them, but the stuff leaked out. The Mexican government through and and I'm sure there was pressure by Western governments, the United States and all of academia, they closed the site. The workers that were there at, when they were first interviewed said, yeah, this is exactly how it happened. At gunpoint, they sent soldiers to this site with guns. And several of the workers apparently were made to uh, admit, make up false confessions that the evidence was planted. That's a lot of power for scientists to have, right? But, you know, I mean, look look what we just went through with COVID mm-hmm. and the whole vaccine thing. And the truth is coming out now. Sure. You know, we were told that the vaccine's safe and efficacious and 95% sex. Oh, we know it was bullshit. Where was the pressure coming from? That's how. From the global elite. It's all about the money. So... There was a, one other kind of dating that I, I want to talk about, because if you look this up, um, you're going to see this. It's called diatomic. There are these little microorganisms called diatoms. And they're a single-cell animal, and the specialists who study di- diatoms are found everywhere. They're everywhere. If you, in any kind of strata or soil, you're going to find diatoms. So the experts that study this know that certain species of diatoms only existed during certain periods. So uh, the diatoms, by studying, studying the strata from Mexico, 100 species of diatoms are found. According to this expert, um, Bob, Bob McKinney, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Bob McKinney, it was a different guy, found, according to him, the diatoms were at least 80,000 years old. So there's this massive cover-up, and it continues to this day. Uh, There was a team that back in the 2000s, early 2000s, mid-2000s, tried to get permits, and their permits were denied three years in a row by the Mexican government. And when the gentleman trying to get the permits interviewed his colleagues there two of them wouldn't answer they completely disappeared and the third guy said i cannot talk to you anymore and that's all i can say Mm. so i mean there's there's major scientific malpractice going on i mean one of the shows we're going to do in the future uh is about homeopathic doctors that were killed in the early 2000s. Over 150 of them were killed in very, very unusual, disturbing aspects, like mm. a, a husband and wife team jumping out of a window. My, my problem is, main, my issue is that mainstream science, the elite, the cabal, whatever you want to call these nefarious people that run our freaking world, will go to any lengths to protect the paradigm. Now, why is... These, these subjects of ancient man, we've talked about Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock and their ideas that there have been ancient civilizations. What are they trying to protect? Do you remember the show we did on the CIA document that was covered yeah. up? 
that talked yeah, about these yeah. different evolutions. Adam and Eve. Book, uh, yeah, story Adam and Eve. Eve. They're covering something up from us about ancient man. And it's up to people like these dawning researchers and the Graham Hancocks, Randall Carsons, and these guys to try and, and pull the curtain back a little bit. I don't know what the answer is, but we do know just from looking at megalithic sites that there's technology, bro, that existed in ancient times that so far surpasses anything we have today. I mean, have you ever looked at the, uh, look up the stones at Baalbek? I think it's B-A-L-B-A-C, B-A-K. I mean, you need to see this picture. And just one look at this. Well, instant, yeah, it's B-A-A-L-B-E-K. Yeah, pull any with a guy standing next to it. See the, yeah, pull that up for a second. Well, you had it. I know. <laughs> I switched my search engine, and so it's Google. It's that first one on the left there. Google won't allow Top you left. to. I know. Google won't allow you That's to. That's right. They'll take you just Your to other a, an, an, ink, like an article. Well, that one will work, too. That's not even the biggest one. Okay. The, the ones with the people standing next to them are better because you get that first one you had there. These stones are literally, look at that. These stones are like 50,000 tons. Some these are the biggest stones in the world. We don't have a crane capable of moving that. If we were going to move that stone today, they would have to, con and this is what I read, they would have to construct cranes on the site, multiple cranes to move that two feet. It's wild. I mean, it, it's huge, though. And these stones, they're all over. Now, these are some of the biggest, granted, but these massive stones are all over megalithic sites. So what is science trying to cover up from us? Some kind of technology. Well, it's ancient technology and the idea, you know, we started out talking about materialism, that man, they want you to think, that you're limited in your potential. They don't want you to know that your own consciousness, that you're connected with everything in the universe. You know, even if you, if you believe in the Big Bang, which most people do, right? All matter was at one time in one single point. That means that every quark, lepton, subatomic particle was in one point which means they were all entangled at one point and all in, wow. we talked about entanglement where yeah. two subatomic particles when they come together they become entangled and even when they're separated by long distances they share this property so at one point we were connected with everything in the universe and i think what people like sheldrake and bruce lipton who were hoping to get on the show wrote a great book called the biology of belief are trying to say is that human potential is way beyond what mainstream science wants us to know. And why is the reason? It's all about control, man. 
the fucking COVID lockdowns, the masking requirements, all about control. Right. There is a dark, and this this theme runs through all of our shows that there are nefarious forces. You know, a Christian might call them satanic. Other would people, what economists would just call them the greedy billionaires. You know, the Bill Gates of the world that we talk about that want to control all the farmland in America, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. They don't want to, us to know that human potential is infinite and that it really is. And, you know, Lipton's work, I'll just bring that up real quickly. I, I told you earlier that he made this amazing discovery that created a whole new field of science called epigenetics. Mm-hmm. We are told that DNA is the determining factor, that our DNA tells a cell what to do and that it's it's rigid, it doesn't change, right? Our DNA, if it's a brain cell, you're a brain cell. Well, he mm-hmm. took three cells of identical genetic material and he put them in different solutions. And what he found was, as the cells divided, they changed. Now, according to materialistic mainstream science, that shouldn't be possible. Sure. And it, to me, it's kind of amazing that it took this guy. Now, he is a, you know, he's a PhD in biology, but this discovery wasn't found, I think, until the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, wow. That nobody had ever it tried this before. Bother with that experiment? At yeah. All. <laughs> it does seem a little odd. I mean, and now epigenetics is this whole new field of science that basically says this. DNA is not the process of millions of years of evolution, that your DNA evolves every second, every minute by what it's surrounded by. It's the environment that creates change. And there's so many, so many different areas of science that we point to that proves this. One of them, I think, you know, people talk about um, when you give somebody a placebo. Mm-hmm. People in mainstream science like to wave, oh, it's just a placebo effect, like it's no big deal. I was listening to a, a gentleman the other night who worked for 20 years. He's got a PhD, and he worked, and he was a, um, had a PhD in organic chemistry, so he went to work for a pharmaceutical company. He said, so we do these, he goes, it was exciting. I loved it. We create new drugs. He goes, so we'd get, get a new drug that say worked on uh, liver cancer. And we would give a hundred patients with liver cancer, the drug, and we'd give a hundred other patients with liver cancer, a sugar pill. And at the end, we, we track and test the results. He said, well, 70 people that took the drug would improve. The tumor would shrink on their liver. But what was astounding to us that 50, sometimes as many as 70, the same amount of the placebo group, their tumor shrank as well. Now, what the hell is that about? Yeah, a mental thing? Like just, it's uh... totally about your mind and consciousness. And it ties in to the biology of belief, this epigenetics. Well, you had mentioned earlier about the lemon. Yeah, so let's, let's do that, do that yeah. experiment. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Everybody listening. Up. So you're list- the listeners out there, I want you to imagine a lemon. Get that firm visual picture of a lemon. Then I want you to imagine putting it on a cutting board, taking a knife, and cutting it in half. Now I want you to pick it up and look at it and just squeeze it a little bit, and you see the lemon juice start to come out of the pulp. 
Now I want you to just lick that lemon. Now, do you notice anything in your mouth? I even got a little bit of it right there. And I've done this 10 times. My saliva glands begin to produce saliva. That is a, a, an example of a physical reaction produced by what? A thought. Okay, so that's why Lipton's book is titled The Biology of Belief. It's what you believe manifests into reality. The people that took the sugar pill and the placebo test believed. They didn't know. It's random. Neither group knew they were getting a pill, but the people believed they were getting a drug that was going to shrink their tumor. Guess what happened? The tumor shrank. There's a really smart biologist, and I, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but she studied cancer remissions. Um, now, remission is when a person, their cancer goes away. And there are many thousands of cases of people that were diagnosed with terminal cancer, given a certain amount of months to live, and their cancer completely goes away. Doctors call it a miracle. We don't know what happened. Right. But it's remember we started this discussion about paradigms, that with a paradigm, a piece of evidence is more important if it supports your theory. Without a paradigm... All pieces of evidence are equal. So take these remissions. Mainstream paradigm says they're an anomaly. They're not important because our theory is that cancer grows like this and all we have to treat it with are radiation, chemotherapy, and surgery. Those are the only treatments for cancer. Now, you know, some people say, well, nutrition is important, you know, exercise, things like that. But the mainstream paradigm is that it's only these there is then a remission happens. And instead of examining the remission and trying to get to the bottom of it, they dismiss it. It's the same mm. thing with Wailatko and these archaeological finds. I pulled up, you know, there's another one. Uh, let's see if I can find I think I've got it. That happened in California. I've got it right here. Hang on. In the, uh, see when this was. So this, this happened in California. This was 2017. Incredible discovery places humans in California 130,000 years ago. So this was in 92. Group of archaeologists found something extraordinary. It was the same thing. They found they were digging a freeway in San Diego, and these these construction workers started finding like mastodon bones, these massive fossils. So of course they sent an archaeological team, and they found tools. So these have been dated to a hundred and thirty thousand years ago. So even in the last before ninety two. Scientists begin to accept the fact, yeah, maybe humans did, you know, maybe they were around when mastodons were around. Because prior to that, it was thought that there were no humans in there. So this actually was published in Nature, which is the preeminent uh, magazine. And it's just as we started this with truth is is ridiculed, then it's opposed, then it becomes self-evident. It is self-evident now that man is much more ancient in America, perhaps 
millions of years old. And Michael Cremo is another guy. If you're interested in ancient history, Michael Cremo has come up with some just absolutely astounding evidence that all of these anomalies, all these archaeological finds have just been dismissed as anomalies. I'll just give you an example of a few of them. In Buenos Aires, there's a modern human skull that has been dated to 2 million years old. In Fredericks, Oklahoma, there's a spear point that is in an elephant bone that this elephant did not exist except in the Pleistocene era, which is 1.8 million years ago. Now, mm. science has said about that one, oh, someone found this ancient fossil and perfectly drilled a hole to fit this spear point. It's just absolute bullshit. They can test for that stuff. Yeah, exactly. This elephant apparently carried this point. There's all that, what do you call that when bone grows around? There's bone like spurs calcification. and calcification had grown around the spear point, wow. which proves the elephant was carrying it. This was 1.8 million years ago in freaking Oklahoma. <laughs> that is pretty wild. Deep gravel <laughs> in Waldo, Oregon. A mortar and pestle was found that was embedded in gravel. This wasn't laying in loose gravel. It had turned into cement. You know how limestone, yep. it was embedded. They chiseled it out. This was 2.5 million years old. One other, footprints in Crout, uh, Crete, these were found three years ago. Three inches to nine inches, they were modern human footprints. And we can tell the difference between Australopithecus, which was Lucy in Africa, and uh, modern footprints. These were found in strata that was four million years old. And although we're in general kind of talking about mainstream science and the science delusion, I think these archaeological finds or some of the best evidence that we're being lied to. Now, I don't, I don't think all archaeologists and scientists are in some kind of conspiracy to cover up the truth. I'll give you an example of how they do it. My brother, who is an academician, he has a PhD. Yes, his PhD is in Spanish literature, but he spent a ton of time with archaeologists at dig sites in Mexico. He knows these guys, right? Mm -hmm. So I was discussing Huaylatco with him. You know how, what he said? This is exactly what he said. He goes, ah, it's an anomaly. Yeah, just waved off, his huh? hand, literally waved <laughs> no. his hand. It's an anomaly. And I knew at that instant, that's what they do. But he's not denying it. He's just saying that that happened, but it just is a freak deal. What they're saying, it's the paradigm thing. Evidence that goes against the paradigm is dismissed. Mm -hmm. It's up to people like us and our audience to question that evidence. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we have to. You know, it's why Rogan's so powerful. Rogan's just a curious dude, you know. He's he's not the best interviewer, not the best thing, but he's curious. Mm -hmm. And so it's he brings people, yeah. He brings people on that have interesting things to talk about, like Randall Carlson, mm -hmm. you know, and Graham Hancock. So, anyway, I think the, I think the point is that the – Archaeology can really 
point us to a whole new theory. And we're going to look, if you've got footprint prints in Crete that are 4 million years old, if you've got spear points found in a 1.8 million year old elephant in Oklahoma, we need to rewrite history, bro. And, you know, Hancock's theory, and I think Carlson goes along with it, is that there have been ancient civilizations and the book that the CIA classified says the same thing. There have been these ancient civilizations going back millions and millions of years on Earth. Some of them more advanced than us, some of them less. But they get destroyed by uh, outside forces. And I think the the Adam and Eve uh, author said it was uh, not tectonic shifts, but plate shifts and magnetic pole shifts that cause cataclysmic disasters. Mm -hmm. He talked about the two-mile-high wave coming in from the Pacific that completely covered the United States. Uh, So the theory is that there are these civilizations. It's going to take time, and it probably won't be while I'm still on Earth, but eventually, hopefully, science and archaeology will get on the same, because they have to start explaining these anomalies. And and same thing with uh, Lipton's work and Sheldrake's work. You know, Sheldrake, Sheldrake and Hancock were one of, a couple people that I know that were actually censored and banned by Ted X. Their talks were banned. So hmm. I think anytime it's kind of like how RT's banned from all sites. Anytime someone's censored or banned, that's somebody I want to listen to. So <laughs> right. That's it for today, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. We'll see you all next time. Please like and subscribe to our videos. It really helps a lot. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Sounds Thanks, good. man. Yep. Bye.